morning. I've got, I've got us a few crisps, okay? Um, but I want to do a little bit of experiment. I'd like us to see if we can guess what the different flavours of crisps are. So I've got six different flavours of crisps. I'm going to pass these round in a kind of COVID freestyle. Um, so we're going to see if we can work out what the different flavours are. I'm going to pass these this way. So that's number one. If you'd like to let's take one and pass one. I've got number two here. Anyone finishes crisps? Go on, Karen. Oh, no. Where's number three? Number four. Number three, go on, Mark. Pass around here, Tony. Go on, four. And number five and number six. James, you look like you, you're, you're looking hungry there. You're a bit, bit skinny. You need building up. Go on around there. Pass them around. If you don't have to, if you don't want to, but let's see what we, I've got some more, I've got some more later if you're really hungry, John. So, so what flavours do we reckon? How, how far has number one got? You reckon salt and vinegar for number one? Okay, let's, okay. Let's just check my answers here. Well, that number two, two was over there somewhere. What did we reckon? I can't, so we say again? Smoky bacon. Everyone else agree? Yeah, you are right, actually, well done. Number three, I can't remember where I sent number three. Around that area, Mark. Uh, a, a, a vegan friendly chicken. <laughs> a vegan friendly chicken. No, you are wrong. Barry's right, it's beef and onion. Very good, Barry, he knows his crisps. Uh, what about number four? Where did that one go? Was four over the back there? Chicken, very good. Yes, you are right there, Matt. Now, number five. Go on, what do you reckon for that one? Ooh. Okay. And what about number six? Llewellyn? Ready, sorted. Okay, so... Very good. Yeah, you are absolutely right. So what was the difference between number five and number six? And which... And what... Go have a try. What, which one do you prefer? <laughs> Go on, James, which is best? You prefer number six? Yeah, so, very good. Thank you, everyone. You all, all, got right. all got that right. So, our highly scientific experiment this morning shows the groundbreaking news that salt can make a difference to our food. Oops, no. Where are you at? There you go. Can you sound a bit more excited? I spent 10 minutes getting to that point. But yes, salt, that's what I was getting to. It adds that certain something to our food, doesn't it? It brings out flavour. It makes things more interesting. A bit less dull. Gives it a bit of bite, doesn't it? 
Um, but have you ever dropped a whole pot of salt on your dinner by accident? Too much tastes horrible, doesn't it? But just the right amount can make all the difference to our food. So hold that thought for a moment. Now this month, we've been looking or working our way through a little series of talks, picking out bits from the book of Colossians, um, bits that we feel that God wants to talk to us about. And in case you missed the other three weeks, Colossians, which is in the New Testament, was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae, which is in Turkey these days. It was written about 27 years after Jesus died. So at this stage, the gospel is travelling far and wide. Paul is giving advice to this new church, trying to correct some wrong thinking that was starting to creep into it. And today, we're looking at the last chapter, chapter 4, and the passage we're picking out today is this one. So, Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So can you see the salt connection? We don't just throw these talks together, you know. So Paul is saying that our conversations with people outside the church should be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. Now, we have many conversations with people outside the church, don't we? And that is good. If we all lived as monks in this place, never going out and living as a kind of commune, that wouldn't be right, would it? Actually, can you imagine that? Can you imagine if we all lived in this place 24-7? How long would we last? I mean, we've got some good cooks here, so we'd eat well. We've got lots of doctors and nurses, so we'd, we'd keep fairly healthy. And we'd have some good live music as well, but you'd have to put up with people like me 24 hours a day. Anyway, what I'm saying is that we shouldn't be locked up apart from the rest of the world. We need to be sharing the good news with the people around us, whether that's with words or by action. And we have seen over the years some groups that kind of separate themselves off completely and they tend to go off the rails a bit, don't they? Because you hear stories in the news every now and then of these cults where, where it's all gone wrong and it's far from what God wants. So it is right and good that we have contacts with people outside Harefield that we don't just relate to other Christians. But perhaps we need to think a little bit about how that contact is seen by others. Now, how do your neighbours perceive you? Are you that nitpicky Christian who's always complaining about something or other? Are you that dull person that goes to church every Sunday morning but never seems to come back any happier than when they left? 
Are you the Christian who seems to speak just as rudely as any other person? Are you the Christian that has an immaculate front garden but never invites anyone round? Do your neighbours even know that you're a Christian? That you have the living Jesus in you? Are you perhaps Ned Flanders from The Simpsons? Now I'm sure none of you are like that. I'm just talking about the other people here. But I think Paul wanted his readers to be a bit more intentional around their conversations with others, to be wise and graceful to them and to show Jesus' qualities um, as they speak with them. Now this morning, I'm not going to do all the work. Some of this is down to you lot. So I have two quick questions that I would like you to discuss with the person next to you. So this is where you could all sneakily look to your left and your right and decide if you like the person that you're sitting next to. Do they look dodgy? It's too late to move seats now. Uh, and if you don't know them, it's a chance to say hello. So, two questions. You've got a couple of minutes. Firstly, what does it mean to have your conversation full of grace? And what does it mean for our conversations to be seasoned with salt? You have two minutes and then we'll come back. So, who would like to volunteer some thoughts? What does it mean to have our conversation be full of grace? Mark? One education moment, you're trying to stay away or trying not to be a mood hoover. Try not to be a mood hoover. <laughs> you, something who is moving and therefore that person you often sit down and you go. <sighs> Someone who's moody, okay. So, so, the, so full of grace is therefore the opposite. Being full of grace is someone who's not a mood hoover. I'm only repeating this for the mic. Okay. <laughs> So you are you you're surrounded by these mood hoovers. Sometimes in education you've got the refined conversations going down especially if you've had that troublesome day or you've had that troublesome club or that troublesome student, you can often find conversations going down that route or so easily if you're not if you're not very careful. Therefore, yeah, mood hoovers is a is a So there. We've all learned something this morning. Thank you, Mark. Any other thoughts from anyone? Sue? Not to be judgmental, but to build the person up. I like that, yes. Daniel? Grace has to be with love, yep. Yeah, yeah, to show love in our conversation, even if the other person doesn't deserve it. Mm. Any <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> I, think, I think your microphone's still on, Gary. <laughs> ah, any other thoughts? Clive? Yeah, when the conversation with my faith comes up, actually, 
feel the grace of God talking about it, not be and be courageous to talk about it. And, and the grace of God gives you the courage to talk about it, you know, in a way that's not um, it's not Bible bashing, at the same time explains your faith in a, in a confident way. Yep. So the, the grace of God to be confident in sharing your faith, yes. Go on. Showing kindness and compassion when communicating, yep. Thank you, Mark. Your conversation may bless the other person. Your conversation may bless the other person. Alison. Sort of the preservative, yep, so showing the other person right and wrong if they don't know it. Okay. Okay, uh, and the second part, or have we kind of covered both of those? Did anyone have anything to add to the what does it mean for our conversation to be seasoned with salt? You mentioned that I had salt in the crisps and it would sort of add something. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that around where the spirit's bringing and adding something into what you're saying. And we're also little told us to be like salt. Yep. So salt is uh, the Holy Spirit adding something to what we say. Yep. Mark again? Not to have shallow conversations, conversations full of flavour. To have conversations full of flavour, not shallow. Yep. But not to go over the top with too much salt, Barry. No. I agree. Yes. Ready salt is about right, is it? Okay. Yep. Um, okay. So, yes. So, Paul was saying that the reason for all this um, is so that we may know how to answer everyone, really. He's assuming that people will notice that we are different as Christians, and hopefully that's different in a good way. And hopefully people will, also, will ask us questions about that. So, do you have an answer to every question you, you might be asked by someone outside the church? How confident do you feel when others ask you about your faith? It's not easy, is it? Often we're put on the spot without having time to think of an answer. And sometimes we genuinely don't know the answer. Uh, and I'm not very good at it myself. But this morning, to just start to build your confidence, you're going to go away with at least one answer right at your fingertips. So, I would like you to turn to your neighbour again and explain whether the pre-millennial, post-millennial or a-millennial view of Revelation chapter 20 is the correct one. No, sorry, I'm joking. No, that one's for Dave to explain at another time to you. He can explain that one. Now, we're going to start off a bit simpler. I'd like you to imagine that you're outside your house tomorrow morning, Monday morning, and your neighbour, or perhaps someone at work, asks you a simple question. What did you, what do you say to, tomorrow morning when your neighbour asks, what did you do this weekend? Turn to your neighbour and give them a straight answer. <laughs> Told you it was starting simple.
Okay, I'm sure you didn't do that much this weekend. That'll do. So, that order, order. I'm sure you didn't really do that much. So, now who was brave enough to say that they went to Harefield this weekend? Oh, a few hands up. Mm. Now, do you in real life admit that? Or would you just mention the football match, the restaurant, the film you watched? But what really should be the highlight of our weekend should be coming here, shouldn't it? So, um, if, if that's what you, if you did mention Harefield to your friend, then what might be the follow-up question? Sorry, that doesn't look quite right. Now, oh, they say, oh, I didn't know you go to church. Why did you do that? Now, this one might take you a little bit longer. You might have to think about this one. But I would like you, again, to turn to your neighbour and you've got a minute or so to figure out what you might say if someone said that to you tomorrow morning. Hmm. Okay, so we come back. So that wasn't too painful, was it? That wasn't too painful. How did it feel? Were you brave enough to talk about what it means to you? How perhaps knowing God has helped you, how great it is? Just some ideas. And you know, perhaps we should have a few few things prepared for moments like that, because people always ask us when we're not when we're not ready. Now I'm not saying you have to get your full life testimony into every conversation. And you know we have to we have to sound natural. But perhaps if we had a few things prepared in our heads for times like this, then we would be able to express God's love better to others when they ask. And as we've said, remember to add some seasoning to our talk. Don't be dull and boring. You know, we may not all be comedians, but we can try and come across as interesting, can't we, and kind of worth listening to. But I do accept, even with practice, this kind of conversation is scary. And as I said, I'm certainly not good at it myself. And perhaps this is where the first part of today's reading comes in. Maybe I've done this talk backwards, because did you notice in the reading... Paul said, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. See, what comes out of our mouths is often influenced by what's going on inside us. Jesus talked about that as well, didn't he? He said, 
the things that come out of our mouths is often, sorry, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these can defile them. So if we are spending no time with God, if we're just getting on with, on with life without him, then what we say to outsiders isn't going to be full of grace and salt, is it? If you look around the world today, if you look at the internet, there's not a whole lot of grace going on, is there, in conversations? But spending time with God will get us into a place where we'll naturally give off that grace to others. We will just want to talk about the benefits of knowing Jesus. And I like that bit about being watchful and thankful. Often our prayer time can just become a shopping list of things asking, asking God for things, can't it? But God actually wants us to just be in his company, watching and being thankful to him. We need that, don't we? So how are you doing on that? Has anyone, did anyone start the new year with a resolution to read the Bible more and pray more? How's it going? We're one month, one month in. If it's not going too great, then there are some good tools out there to help. I found a, a nice little app um, that uh, Waverly Abbey, Waverly Abbey, I can't say that, that they've launched um, some new Bible notes uh, as an app. It replaces their old paper ones. It's called, um, called Everyday with Jesus. And you don't need to sign up. There's no cost. It's simple to read. And you can choose the original Selwyn Hughes notes, which are very good, or some more, more modern writers. So I would recommend that, but there are plenty of other things around. But if you're spending more time in prayer, note a little warning. Because did you notice what Paul asks the Colossians to pray for him? Now this is Paul, who's currently in house arrest in Rome. He's apparently tied up in chains. You know, life for him is not easy at this point. Certainly harder than most of us have it. So does he ask for prayer to free himself and to be let out? Does he pray for more money or less pain? Nope. He says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So that should be a little sobering for us. He is more interested in God's message being clearly proclaimed than he is in his own comfort. And I'm not saying we can't ever ask God to help us, but do we have things in the right perspective? Are we willing to put up with a little bit of hardship for God's news to spread? So, as, as I bring this, this little chaos to a, to a close, a little challenge for you today. Are you willing to take the plunge to spend more time with God? To make the gospel your priority? And to then think carefully about how you interact with other people? Will you ever think about which people you do interact with and how, do you, and how you come across to them? Are you representing Jesus well to them? It's not easy, 
but you're not doing it all in your your own power. You have the Holy Spirit to help you and to guide you. And as we've said, it all starts with our own relationship with God. Are you willing to take on that challenge? Shall we pray? Lord God, we know that you ask us to be witnesses for you out there in the world, but we don't find it easy. Please give us opportunities to speak about you in our everyday life. But please also give us the words at the right time to show your love to the people around us. And just ask also that you will help us to to want to have that desire to spend more time with you this year, to get to know you better so that we then take that love out to the rest of the world. I thank you, God. Amen. Amen.